Coming to you from over the smokestacks, over the city, reporting from our weather balloon. Welcome to No Clip Pocket. I'm Chad Rutherman. And I'm Andy Kinnick. And today, we're going to be talking about Little Inferno, which was a game that was developed by Tomorrow Corporation and was released in 2012 on Wii U and PC. Uh, and a bunch of other stuff later. Yeah, it kind of got ported. We, in fact, played the Switch version, which is the second version of the game that I own, but I decided I wanted to sort of like do a different thing. Mm-hmm. Uh so Little Inferno kind of defies genre intentionally. I would say that the closest uh, analog that I can point to is like an idle game. It has a lot of the sort of tenets of, of those. Yeah, it feels like a mobile game. Like mm-hmm. It has resources that are time-based that you can use like a special currency to speed up. Right. That sort of thing. Of course, the main difference being that the times are really really short in comparison to uh most of those like freemium based uh like monetization model driven games yeah you don't spend real money in this game that's true to buy the special currency Uh, i've got a special line to the tomorrow corporation i'm like hey guys if i give you 20 bucks will you just (laughs) unlock everything for me uh and they said yeah so I don't know what this game's like. I finished it by paying the the developer. Uh, no, so the the primary mechanics of the game, which I can't imagine are going to be what we spend the majority of the time talking about, uh-huh. uh, are you press one, one button and or tap on the screen to uh, create like a flame. And the entire screen is a fireplace. And you put objects in the fireplace, catch them on fire, and they will spit out coins, which you then use to get more objects to do the same thing with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then what I want to say is the actual like driving mechanic of the game is the combo system, where they give you a little clue, and you take that clue and extrapolate it out amongst all the items that you have and try to find the correct things to burn in sequence in order to unlock. Yeah, I found that to be surprisingly fun to work through. I think it it enhanced it because we played it together, and we could, like, you know, brainstorm together and be like, oh, what about this and that? Yeah. Uh, oh, uh. It, it, the t- <laughs> what about uh, soda pop and the cereal? Mm-hmm. Uh. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I feel like this game really highlights how important uh like atmosphere and theming are in games because i think this game on paper sounds boring and even (laughs) bad uh you know if you just kind of gave a basic rundown of what you do in it but i think what really makes it work is the the setting of the game is like a like an oppressed kind of feeling society where they it's always snowing out it it feels almost kind of like dystopian yeah and uh these little things come over the radio like for a little bit of world building like the weather balloon guy right that you quoted at the beginning and there's your neighbor writes you letters and stuff and it all really builds like a pretty strong atmosphere which kept me intrigued and made me want to keep playing the game to see, like, what was up with it. Yeah. So, m- mechanically speaking, this game doesn't behave like a lot of other games do. And the 
hook for the game is much less about that and more about that mystery that you're describing because mm-hmm. it is it's like a post-apocalypse i want to say but it does seem to be or at least implied to be and we'll kind of get into what this game does and does not choose to tell you but uh it's implied to be sort of almost localized like it was like a uh some kind of event just in that area that has reduced everything to a nuclear winter mm-hmm. whereas like at the end it sort of implies that you could go somewhere else where the sun is actually shining mm-hmm. um but you don't until the very very end of the game after you've burned everything in the catalogs uh but yeah i i think i agree with that i agree the importance of it is sort of like the desire to find out what's happening more than it is just the act of of playing the game Mm -hmm. uh but i i don't think that it's like wholly unenjoyable to uh sort of mix and match and do the things it gets a little bit tedious near the end for sure Mm -hmm. because you're starting to just like grab stuff throw it in and like one of the main hooks of of this game is the fact that each item has like a unique burning animation so they'll do different things and they interact differently with other things when they're put in the same uh place and i don't know i think it works a lot of the time but then when you get to the end you're just like i just want to get through this so like the cool stuff kind of flies under the radar because you're just like throwing it in there to get rid of it and then move to the next thing yeah i think it definitely taps in to something like it, it is kind of satisfying to burn stuff mm-hmm. in real life and the the like the kind of the way it's presented to you it does feel like this cozy almost like hypnotic thing to keep throwing things into the fire as it wants uh and uh it kind of puts you a little bit in the shoes of like the universe you know like the that's like what's happened to all the people in this town as they stay in and they just burn things for fun. Right. Uh, and it, it does a good kind of job at making that appealing to the player, too. I think the implication is more that they burn things for warmth, and it's just right, been but, gamified to, like... Yeah, they, it's how they sell it to the people. Yeah. Yeah. It is the Little Inferno entertainment fireplace, mm-hmm. uh, which is good, and also emblematic of the game's sense of humor, which I think is sort of uh part of the game's appeal uh it depends i guess kind of on who you are as to how well that's gonna land Mm -hmm. it comes off very i don't know if uh, like me comparing it to other things is going to offend people or not Uh but this game definitely has like kind of an invader zim like yonan vasquez sort of aesthetic to it Mm -hmm. and its jokes are often in that same vein where it's like this the darkness of its subject matter combined with the like overbearing silliness of everything that's included it's it can be entertaining and if you're somebody who has a soft spot for that kind of thing then uh maybe that will help drive your engagement but if you aren't then i feel like a lot of the jokes are gonna fall flat and feel stupid uh I mean, I haven't seen Invader Zim since I was a kid, so I don't remember it very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I found, like, the, I didn't think it was, like, super funny or anything, but a lot of it was charming. And I think 
it it never felt so like ridiculous or annoying in the way that Invader Zim can. Yeah. To me, so I don't really think even if you don't find it particularly funny, I don't think you're going to find it off-putting either. Personally, that's okay, that's fair. I fall sort of in the middle there where like some of the elements speak to me and other ones don't. I found the item descriptions to be pretty universally well written. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost all of them had like a quip or a joke of some kind in them, and I liked all that. Yeah, it fa- it didn't feel intrusive to me. Yeah. Yeah, the the most intrusive element of it is the fact that your neighbor's name is Sugar Plumps, mm. which is incredibly dumb. Uh <laughs> it is very dumb, yes. Yeah, that is uh one of the things that made me draw the comparison in the first place. Is just it's like fair. And I feel like the um all of the like stuffed animal toys feel very Invader Zim because they're all like a little bit like grotesque in some way yeah they all have like eyes that are like one is much larger than the other one yeah uh (laughs) yeah so your progression through this game is gated almost entirely by nothing just burning things in sequence yeah the time that it takes refreshing thing yeah yeah uh but even like that is not a huge barrier because you are just constantly just kind of tossing things on. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes me kind of wonder if there's like a speed run strat to this game. There probably is. Yeah. Where you like, it's like you full combo all of them. Like if you can keep <laughs> the fire burning from the first one to the last, it'd be pretty good. Uh, but I don't know. Um, the game is really short. I think is something. Yeah. It, it. I feel like it's, it it's one of those games that hits the appropriate length for what mm-hmm. it is. Um, as you said, it like right when it starts to get a bit tedious to go through the catalogs, that part of the game ends, and it has a little ending sequence. Um, I don't know if we want to go into that yet or save it. Uh, it kind of depends on how you want to tackle the rest of this because. We said we'd throw the mechanics up front because we weren't going to spend a whole lot of time on it. Mm-hmm. And that's so true that I'm already out of things to I, even I'm mention. I'm mostly getting there as well. Uh, one thing I wanted to bring up is the face in the fireplace. Yeah. And it, it just kind of hangs out. It just, yeah, it never does anything. And it's like unsettlingly creepy to me. <laughs> like it just, it has this like kind of smug satisfaction kind of look. But also, it looks kind of comfy, cozy, and appealing. Yeah, but like it just if it, I feel like they hit the nail on the head with that. It reminds me of the satisfied emoji, if you know the one I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. That has like yeah, has like a contented smile, and its eyes are mostly closed. Mm-hmm. And for what it's worth, it does do something at the very end. Its eyes open and lights oh, right. come out of yeah. them. Uh, but I don't really know if that was like foreshadowing anything. Mm-hmm. I was just I was mm-hmm. waiting for it just feels like something a vehicle for like delivering secrets like it would like subtly do things throughout the game or something like that it's not what kind of what i was expecting because it it just grabbed my attention real hard for the first little bit of the game like there's like a secret combo yeah because you you put those together because if you once you keep playing you kind of like it just you get used to it it fades into the background Mm -hmm. and it just seems like the perfect thing to like fuck with people with like just have it do weird shit to see if you notice 
I won't say that it's entirely impossible that that actually is the case and we just don't know. That is that is totally possible. Yeah, but we just certainly did not notice anything. No. Nor did I on my first playthrough of this game. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, the, the developers of this game, just to sort of put a capper on it, uh, also made... Well, I think two of the people who are in this team made World of Goo before this, and then this team, as it exists now, went on to make uh, Human Resource Machine, and again, it's I think called like Seven Million Humans or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's like a direct sequel, uh, and their whole like shtick, as it were, mm-hmm. is to make games that are that have a unique mechanical element to them it's like not something that you would typically find in in other games Mm -hmm. which i think is a valiant like goal yeah uh but this game does a good job i think of uh being that and and putting forth uh something that you probably haven't seen in in, uh at a level of focus that you probably haven't seen it in uh and i think that the the shortness of the game is both a symptom and also a response to that where it's like we came up with this it's pretty good you don't want to do it for nine hours right so yeah i'd agree with that uh as i was saying before it it does feel closely related to like time waster mobile games but in practice it's it really doesn't feel like playing one of those things at all there's like there's like as you said, a focus to it that elevates it and turns it into its own thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's nothing else quite like it that I've played. Right. And I think on that we uh, we go into what makes sort of this game tick, uh, and that is the maybe not uniqueness, but like the interesting way that they go about establishing the world and plot of this game. Mm-hmm. Uh. So yeah, it like we said, it is like a post-apocalypse type situation, or at least some like post-incident of some kind. Yeah, the the world is is frozen cold and is apparently maybe not always snowing, but is always cold enough to snow. Right. Uh, and so yeah, you are stuck in your home, burning things, and the game only gives you an inkling of this at the beginning, uh, and it unfolds throughout both through a very weird like three minute commercial for the product you're using yeah and also just through letters from the outside which are pretty much limited to a weatherman who mostly talks about the weather Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) uh, the uh, like form letters from the tomorrow corporation and from sugar plumps your neighbor Uh and ostensibly love interest i don't really understand how any of this plays it it does have a little bit of a boy meets girl kind of tone to it but i don't really think you're really meant to read into it (laughs) that much kind of the impression i got yeah no that's fair she's like the like the thing like the bright tomorrow that you go, you leave to go find after you, after the end in, mm. in your hot air balloon. 
Yeah, and she says that she goes to a beach at the end of the game, mm-hmm. uh, and seemingly like she's already there, which I also don't really understand. Maybe this is a very contained disaster <laughs> area. Uh, maybe it's meant to imply that you were like in your room burning things longer than you realize. I suppose like your perception of time is weird. But why would the fireplace exist in the first place at that point? What do you mean? Like, well, I mean, not fireplaces in general. I realize that's a real <laughs> thing in reality. <laughs> but like uh, the the product of the Little Inferno Entertainment fireplace. I don't understand what what you don't understand. <laughs> if you were, if you were if you were in there uh-huh. for so long that you just forgot about everything else. Uh huh. But when you started, it was normal. Why would they have made the product in the first place? They it wouldn't have come about until post apocalypse, right? Is that not what you were no, implying? No, I just uh, mean once you start playing with it, your perception of time becomes like so you don't realize how long you've been playing it you know what i mean oh and so she had time so to yeah she was gone else. for way longer than you realized to you it just felt like you were just sitting there for a few days i gotcha and in reality it's been like months or something that is actually there's some credence to that given like in the text because she does keep saying like the game that we played for hours and days. Mm-hmm. So it's like, and you're like, it's been like 20 minutes. Like, yeah. what are you talking about? That's kind of the vibe I got. Yeah. It was just like a very long, a warped time scale thing. Fortunately, they didn't do a thing where like you get out and the character they depict you as is like a 40 year old guy yeah, or like a big fat blob <laughs> yeah. or something. <laughs> You just become the huddle from uh, <laughs> yeah. inside. Yeah, some job of the hut action. <laughs> yeah, so your character is at least still a child when you leave, so mm-hmm. that's probably good. Uh... <laughs> yeah, but um, so I and I also like that the only visual you see for the majority of the game is the fireplace, and when you're talking to the mailman, I think there's a nice detail. I think it's the mailman that says this. It is. But that uh, you've just been staring into that fireplace for so long and like I've been delivering you these packages. Like, did you even turn around to like look at me when I delivered them? And I just think it's cool that it calls that out. Like yeah. the, the single perspective. Yeah, it, it makes it, it, it turns what could be read as like, just like game mechanics abstracting reality mm-hmm. into like the reality overlaid on top of it. So it's not that you're abstractly going to get the mail and coming back to the fireplace whenever the timer runs out. Mm-hmm. It's that the guy literally walks in, sits it in front of you and leaves without you ever noticing that he was there. Yeah. Uh, and I, yeah, that's a really good detail. And like, as soon as you started to talk about it, I knew what line yep. it was because it's probably one of the best in the game. Uh, though the writing overall is pretty decent. I, I thought the end scene went on like maybe a little bit too long. Mm, I thought it earned it personally. Probably. You, I feel like if you're releasing a two-hour game and you feel like you can stretch out your ending from, like, ten minutes to twenty, you probably will. Yeah. Because people aren't really going to complain. Yeah, it just, it's so unexpected that there's going to be a little, like, short adventure gamey style thing at the end mm-hmm. uh, where you walk around and talk to a few people that it just, it didn't have time to feel 
drawn out to me. Yeah. I, I think it just a lot of it was just delivering jokes. Yeah. Because uh, the, the important scenes of it are it, arguably not even running into the mailman. That's just sort of some world building. But like getting to the Tomorrow Corporation itself meeting with the CEO and then leaving on the hot air balloon. Mm -hmm. But there's also like a long drawn out conversation with the lever guy and with the mailman passed by their family on the street. Yeah. And the receptionist gag. And most of them were pretty good and I don't begrudge it. I just think that like, I don't know. (laughs) I bought the game to burn stuff, not to walk around (laughs) talk to people. It does. I guess you could make the argument feel like that part should have more narrative momentum at that point and it stops to tell some jokes yeah but the game was kind of about jokes in the first place to <laughs> yeah. some extent so it's really just a culmination of everything mm-hmm. that was the boss fight of little inferno <laughs> is can you now walk yeah. around do you know if anything other than just getting a hug happens if you keep the free hug coupon from the ceo not that i'm aware of okay because i mean i burned it yeah right away because they show you a picture of what she looks like and i was like i don't want to i don't want anything from her (laughs) (laughs) no i love that character uh and i i like that they played that character pretty straight also where it's just like like in futurama mom like the robotics company yeah and she like uh has like a big suit that she wears to look like a kindly old woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, like, I, I half expect, maybe I've watched too much Futurama, which is very possible, uh-huh. but I was half expecting that to be the resolution with that character, which is like, <laughs> I'm not actually who I said I am. And then she like shoots you with a gun or something, <laughs> but she more or less is exactly as represented and then leaves in a spaceship. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of liked that. It felt like a like a sweet dose of reality kind of thing, yeah. where she is exactly what she seems like she is, but she says like she's gonna leave and go like follow her dreams and do something else. It encourages you to do the same. Mm-hmm. Like it, it felt like a like a nice little like realistic message, I guess. Yeah. Stop sitting in your house burning things. Yeah, like, life doesn't have to be, like, stagnant. Like, you can do something about it, I guess. Yeah. Kind of a thing. And the fact that she then gets into a rocket ship also makes me, like, not sure about my previous thought about (laughs) maybe it being localized to the city. Right. She certainly wouldn't need a, a... Well, I feel like it has to be... If we're taking the comment about the girl going to the beach at face value. Right. Like that there are other places that aren't just frozen wastelands. Well, she also, I think, is has to be the least reliable character. True. But then if also, if you could just bail, why doesn't the weatherman hang out? Must pay good money yeah. to be a weatherman in a balloon in the post-apocalypse over the chimneys or over the smoke or whatever he over says. the smokestacks yeah. yeah who sends his weather reports individually to people through the <laughs> post which is a little odd i thought that was over the radio no you get letters no, you do get letters yeah yep. yep um when did i did i bring up the sound design yet 
I couldn't remember if I mentioned it offhand. Or no, not. we didn't. But, we mentioned atmosphere. Yeah, I feel like the sound design carries a lot of that weight. Uh, when you you open the mag the catalogs, uh, there's this like phone sound effect, which kind of drove me a little bit crazy because it's like yeah. constant. But uh, I think that's to like imply that like you're ordering the stuff over the phone, uh, and there's a lot of good like like ambient noises and like fire sound effects and all like the wintry sound effects. Like when the letters come in, there's always uh, unique sounds to accompany those and stuff. So I, I feel like that that carries a lot of that atmospheric weight. Yeah, this is a game that doesn't have a soundtrack except for in specific parts. Uh, like, your overall, like, world sound is silence. And it's and so it's driven by what you're actually doing. Uh, like, when you burn things, they make noises. The fire crackling makes a noise. There's noises to indicate the little spiders are coming down, which just give you, like, a, a few free dollars mm-hmm. uh, for smashing them. And... Uh, so obviously this is kind of like the Dark Souls of clicker games. No, uh, <laughs> uh, no, the the fact that it doesn't have a soundtrack and that the soundtrack is basically driven by you makes it feel really dynamic. Mm-hmm. And I found that that generally gave, uh, like a it, it was a really positive impression. It made it feel more natural. Uh, and more like lonely than it would have with uh, like a non-diegetic soundtrack. Yeah, I I usually would like always prefer games actually just have music. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not I'm a pretty big skeptic of the no music makes it more immersive school of thought. Right. Uh which is somewhat popular, but I feel like it really works here. Like I think this is the first example of a game that is enhanced by having no music, in my opinion. Well, and in addition to that, it is like, it's so short that it's not enough to like get grading. Mm-hmm. And like theoretically, you attack immersion. If you were sitting in front of a fireplace not doing anything and you got bored not hearing anything, you could put in your headphones and listen to music. And you can do that in real life and just map it onto the kid. And be yeah. like, yeah, you <laughs> just pulled out a fucking Walkman and went to town. I don't know why I enunciated those <laughs> T's in that way. Uh, also, I know that you're a big fan of the song that plays oh, yeah. I, in the catalog. It's it's fantastic. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know if I can really articulate why I like it so much, but it's just it's a really catchy kind of like satire of like a children's product cartoon mm-hmm. or cartoon commercial um yeah, yeah it just it's really it's it it's really emblematic of the game sense of humor and uh i don't know it just really landed for me yeah i agree it's hard to sort of describe what it is about it that makes it so good but yeah. it falls into a genre of like 70s era or even earlier than that like 60s era like song style parodies where Mm, they like like, jingles yeah they want to make it sound natural to that but also like over the top and ridiculous and it Mm -hmm. just works yeah i'm a big fan of it about ready to wrap things up probably yeah this is a short game it's also gonna be a short podcast did you have anything else 
to say about the ending bit, like the difference in like the mechanical, like the mechanical break to the adventure gamey thing, right. for lack of better term. <laughs> yeah, because the game by itself, and this is something we probably should have mentioned before, so I'm glad that you brought it back up. Yeah, uh, doesn't control in the way that a game normally would control it feels more natural on pc admittedly because you have a mouse and you can use the mouse to do everything Mm -hmm. uh and it even makes the adventure game thing feel more like one of those old uh like lucasarts games where you clicked to move everywhere Mm -hmm. uh but using the pseudo pointer system that the switch imposes on you makes the difference between moving and the burning part feel really stark even though you're using the same control scheme Mm -hmm. it's like why am i not using the the Mm. analog stick here even with one joy con seems to make sense that you would want to use that yeah uh and the wii u version if i understand correctly had a similar thing where you had to use the touch screen to move as well so it became a little bit like odd i don't know uh yeah, the, the the using the Joy-Cons didn't really bother me that much. I thought it might it was so unexpected when we booted it up that yeah. we couldn't just play it with a controller. Um because like how many games use like the Joy-Cons with for pointer controls, right? You know? But uh, I thought it worked pretty well. Like it would get desynced a decent amount, but it was like took 1 second to resync it, you it, know. It makes me feel like we are like so close to gyroscope technology being able to like actually simulate the pointer that the Wii had yeah without without a sensor bar yeah and it, it's a I, I am a little bit regretful of it because there's like if there was just a little bit more there there's so many cool games that could get ported over yeah I no, I agree a hundred percent I was actually surprised at how well it worked it, it just it goes out a little bit too often like if if this feels like if the switch had a sensor bar add-on it would work like perfectly right be like the perfect version of the wii uh but i mean that's just speculation yeah we'd also you'd also have to get something or i guess you can hold the right joy con backwards it has like an ir IR sensor sensor on it i don't know because like the way that it works in game is just like it registers when you press the plus button as like the resting point and then it maps the gyroscope so mm-hmm. when you move it it guesses where it should be pointed yeah roughly because i was most of the time using it with the joy con pointed at the wall right <laughs> not at the television at all uh but yeah no it would be awesome because if like trauma center and i wouldn't have to turn on a wii to play mm-hmm. it that'd be awesome Except the missions would all have to be 20 <laughs> seconds or less if the controller yeah. didn't desync. And I'd also like to see, um, like, HD, like, remasters of, like, the Galaxy games. Oh, yeah. I think that would be cool. But uh, anything else on Little Inferno? Uh, well, do we have fire thoughts? Uh, so I heard about this game like years ago and it was like on a video or something and they were like, play this, it's great, but don't, don't look up anything about it. Like go in blind. 
Uh, so I knew nothing about it all these years. I'm like, I'm going to play that eventually because their recommendation must have been really glowing because it's stuck in my brain. Mm-hmm. But um, finally played it, and uh, this year it took me by surprise, so I'm glad I didn't look anything up. Um, as I was getting at earlier, I feel like this is a kind of game you have to play for yourself. Like, describing it, it doesn't sound like much. Yeah. But it, it really comes together in a way that is unique and charming. Uh, and it, it has a cute little moral and message in it. Uh, it's very atmospheric. Uh, got all the all the things that I like, all those buzzwords. Uh, so I, I enjoyed this quite a bit, and I would definitely recommend it. Uh, I feel like it would, the immersion would be enhanced even more if you played it on a snowy day in, real, in real life. So I would recommend doing it that way. Yeah. We're going to put more barriers. Like, don't look at <laughs> anything about it. Also play it while you're snowed in. So if you're in a temperate climate, move somewhere mm-hmm. where you can be snowed in. Uh, no, yeah. So I played this game for the first time a lot of years ago. Uh, and... Uh, like I got it in like a it was like a bundle with World of Goo, uh, and I tried to play World of Goo and like bounced off of it. It was like a little bit hard, and so I didn't come back to this one for like a year and a half or so, thinking that it was like a similar type thing. Uh, but this is not a puzzle game, or at least it only has one sort of pseudo puzzle game element to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was uh, able to sit and beat it in one sitting because that is the length of this game. Uh, I kind of agree. I don't know. I don't know that I want to put this game up as like, uh, not implying that you did, uh, <laughs> but like up as like one of like the great indie games, but it does, as you did say, check a lot of the boxes for what makes an indie game really good. Uh, it's a very focused game. It knows what it wants to do and it spends all of its resources doing that. Uh, the writing is really tight and I think that all of the, pieces that make up the whole are there to support it so what you end up getting is more or less exactly what it says on the tin but at a very high quality it's like if you went to uh this is uh my metaphor is like i'm reconsidering because it feels too negative (laughs) like have you ever gone to like a fast food restaurant and been like yeah, whatever. I'm just like a little bit hungry. Give me one of those like dollar menu items. And you get it and you're like, they cook this like unusually well. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes you just get one and you're like, this is like the best version <laughs> of this thing that didn't cost them a lot of money to make that could exist. Yeah. As somebody who worked in a McDonald's, I know the difference between what you would normally get and if you made it fresh and ate it. There is a noticeable difference. Yeah. This is the made fresh McDouble <laughs> of, of indie Not games. Hot off the grill. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's it's a weird concept that is executed more or less perfectly. Like, I don't know that anyone's going to attempt to make anything else in the fireplace genre. <laughs> <laughs> but if they do, it would. this would be a hard one to top. Well said. Thank you. <laughs> Even with that bad metaphor. Right. <laughs> Thank you for listening to No Clip Pocket this week. What are we talking about next time? Next time, we're going to be talking about The Beginner's Guide. 
uh, which is the much less talked about game from the developer of the Stanley Parable. Uh, but it is, I actually kind of prefer it. I, I don't know if I prefer it, but I will say it is equally as interesting, I think, as the Stanley Parable. We will explore these confusing feelings next time <laughs> on the, the Noclip Podcast. Uh, until that time, if you want to get a hold of us, all of our contact information is on our website at noclippodcast.com or on splattershot.pro, which I have recently renewed. Uh, <laughs> there you can find our email address, our Twitter uh, for announcements of all of our episodes. You can find a link to our Discord so you can have a discussion with us. Uh, about our bad opinions or our good opinions or fuck it dark souls uh <laughs> you really got dark souls on the brain i know we were just talking about sekiro in the discord ah uh. get out advertising uh <laughs> you can listen to all of our old episodes uh we have uh our youtube channel which has those episodes on it along with the accompanying art so if you're watching it like on a screen at work everyone will know which podcast you're listening to right you'll be real cool yeah they'll be like wow that's a that's a tight wallpaper you have oh shit yeah please uh leave a comment uh or review a rating uh it's really hard to get metrics on this stuff when you're (laughs) such a small cast and i would like to have any kind of an idea of how many people actually listen to us that is I'm happy to just yell into the yeah. void, but uh... I just I would I would like some audience interaction. Okay, <laughs> we do the call to action: like, yeah. comment, subscribe. And then what they'll do is they'll take they'll smash that like button. they'll smash that like button, and then throw the podcast into a fire. Yes, you should burn it for warmth. <laughs> All right, good 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 episode. <laughs>